Okay, we are on Joshua 15, and we're talking about the tribe of Judah. And the next chapters are really going to challenge us, uh, whether it be as teachers or as students. You know, and the statement that Andrew made um, to make ready application to our lives usually easy in biblical lessons, uh, not as easy in what we're going to cover today and tonight in the next few weeks. But I'll tell you the beauty of teaching it like this, where we do look at this, it does force you to read through it and think through these texts that, that often, if I was teaching a survey of Joshua, you could sum it up and do justice to it by saying, hey, you remember where the tribes are and just telling about that. But this does force us to look at things a little bit more in detail. A little bit more in detail. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is obvious, so don't try to overthink think this. Uh, but what stands out to you one of the things right away about Joshua 15. It's a lot of geography. Okay. Key word there, Sarah, a lot. It's a big <laughs> section. And so Joshua 15, you have 63 verses devoted to Judah. 63 verses. Now, do you find that much space devoted to other tribes? Look at, I mean, we summed up in Joshua 13, we summed up Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. When we get to Joshua 16, we're going to talk about Ephraim in 10 verses. And then Manasseh in around 18 verses. Even the last may, may not apply as well to Manasseh, but, but, but 10 verses, 18 verses, and throughout. Who is the, the next tribe that's given the most amount of space in Joshua besides Judah? Levites. Yes, I, I was thinking some of you may be reluctant to say that, but Levi is in Joshua 21, because in Joshua 21, the first 42 verses are devoted to Levi. Now, as you know, uh, not meaning to insult you, you're not going to find Levi on this map, because they do not have one place where they all dwell together. They have 48 cities scattered throughout all of the land. So they don't have an inheritance like the other tribes have, but there is more space devoted to Levi than any tribe except Judah. All tribes are important, but some tribes play a more fundamental role in the history of Israel. Now, I want you to go forward a few years. In the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles, first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles, you find the genealogies of the various tribes. What tribes might you guess 
receive more attention in those first nine chapters of First Chronicles than any other. Judah, in First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 3, through chapter 4, verse 23, deals with the tribe of Judah and particularly with the family of David. And then you find Levi in 1 Chronicles 6. 1 Chronicles 6, by the way, has a whopping 81 verses. 81 verses. You don't find an equal amount of space paid to all the tribes. Do you know how much attention is given to the tribe of Naphtali? The tribe of Naphtali, or Naphtali, as some Bible readings say, even if that's proper, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say <laughs> Naphtali. And First Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. One verse devoted to Naphtali. But they do better than a couple because Dan and Zebulun do not appear at all in those genealogies. So what is my point that I'm trying to stress? The reason more space is given to these tribes in the book of Joshua and then in a book that was written much later, the book of Chronicles, is because these tribes played a more fundamental role in the history of Israel. Now, how would that be? Particularly in Judah, that would be with David and all the promises through him. And then the tribe of Levi, you have Aaron the high priest comes from that line. Of course, Jesus will ultimately be the high priest and the king who will fulfill the hopes and dreams of both of those tribes. So we are stunned, first of all, stunned might be an overstatement, but, but impressed by the size, the sheer size of this chapter. Now, uh, some of the things that... Um, some of the things that Paul asked about were the boundaries of the various tribes that are described in verses 1 through 12. What are some of the boundaries uh, that are listed here as being boundaries of the tribe of Judah? <clears throat> Okay, the Salt Sea or the Dead Sea is an eastern boundary. And you see this described in uh, verses 5, uh, five uh, on through that. The southern boundary mentioned right before that in verse 4. Southern boundary, the Brook of Egypt. I remember we talked about the brook of Egypt to Hamath, that that's kind of the boundary from north, from south to north. And we talked about it in 1 Kings uh, 6 in verse, um, 1 Kings 8, verse 65, 1 Kings 8, verse 65. So um, that was, um, that is listed as a southern boundary. The 
the um, Dead Sea on the east. Then on the west, what is the western boundary mentioned in verse 12? The The Great Sea or the Mediterranean Sea would have been that boundary. The boundary was a little bit difficult uh, to figure out, a little bit more difficult to figure out is the northern boundary uh, of the land. But the map does a pretty good job of showing you something of the size of the tribe of Judah. He does a good job with that and some of the boundaries naturally uh, weave themselves um, by the Great Sea and the, and the Salt Sea uh, make, make it a little bit easier. One of the things that Paul asks about as well is in verse 7, the Valley of Acre and that Valley of Acre, we associate that with what person? We, thought we associate that with, with Achan and all the events uh, surrounding him and uh, the Valley of Acre opens up a door for hope, as Hosea says, because uh, sin has been punished and it has been dealt with. Now, and I want you, if you were reading through the text and you had any questions, I want you to feel free to, to ask those questions or about a particular place. I don't want you to be hurt necessarily if I answer I don't know, but, but you can ask the question anyway. But uh, verses 13 through 19 are going to focus on Caleb and his inheritance. And, and, and we saw that chapter 14, beginning with verse 6, was talking about Caleb as well. Remember 14 verse 6, and he is given, he's given a section of land where? Close to what city? Hebron. And what's the problem as far as occupying this piece of land? What's the difficulty with it? Giants are there. Giants are there. The sons of Anak are there who were noted for their large size, for their massive build. And... Um, And Caleb said in Joshua 14 verse 12, Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out. But here in chapter 15 verse 13, we find that Caleb did drive them out. Verse 13 talks about the promise given to him. In verse 14, Caleb Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishiah, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And they went up from there against the inhabitants of Deber. Now the name of Deber formerly was Cariath Sefer. And Caleb said, The one who attacks Cariath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Akash, my daughter, as a wife. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. 
So he gave him Achash his daughter as his wife. And it came about that when she came to him, she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she alighted from the donkey and Caleb said to her, What do you want? And then she said, Give me a blessing since you have given me the land of the Negev. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper spring and the lower springs. Now, that event about Caleb is also going to be recorded in Judges 1. And we're not going to, it doesn't tell us a lot more about that in Judges 1, but Judges 1, verses 11 through 15, is going to mention this same event. Now, one thing Paul did ask about is Othniel. Where are we going to encounter Othniel later? Miss Dorothy, you smiled at that. So you, you look like that was a smile confident of an answer. Um, but where do we encounter Othniel later? I have it in Judges 3 9. He was, he was the first judge. Okay, the first recorded judge is Othniel right here. First recorded judge is this Othniel. So he is connected to the family of Caleb. He's inter- we're introduced to him here and then in Judges 1 before he actually appears. Now, is that all that we should say? I'm sure not. Uh, but those are a few things about 15 verses 1 through 19. Okay? Any other things? And I may have to sometimes call you and just ask you what time it is, how far. Well, I guess I can do that by this recording nonetheless because our clock is clock is not working. Okay. Uh, let's talk about 20 through 63. Um, do you find it difficult to read this? I, I, I do too. I do too. Do you find it difficult to get any kind of picture of this besides simply calling out names? Yes. And and you notice notice how few of these cities are identified. Now, if you have other atlases, there'll still be a whole lot of these cities. Who do not identify. I appreciate well, I'll take it. <laughs> thank you. Deborah's our designated watch provider if uh, we come short, so thank you. But um, let me let me just give you some things that I wrote down today. I've made this kind of list. Some difficulties. This is difficulties with Joshua 15. But this will apply, these same things will apply to a lot of things in this in these lists, okay? Through chapters through chapter 21 when we get to the Levites. First of all, the first statement that I'm making was an estimation. I looked through all of these cities on the I was going, so I was going through Bible Hub and looking at the Hebrew text. I was looking at, and it, it calls, you can call up a place to say, where else is this used? 
And I appealed to that with, with every one of these place names today. And this is my estimation. I did not get a specific count. But my estimation is that half of these cities are mentioned only here in the Old Testament. Half of them are mentioned only here. Now, it may be a little bit below the half. It may be a little bit above the half. But let me write down some verses for all the names. These are only the verses where all of the names of the places given are not mentioned anywhere else except in that list. In this list. Verse 22, verse 37, verse 40, verse 53, verse 59. Now in each of those, those words were not mentioned anywhere else. Like in verse 22, Kena, Demona, and Adida. Those places not mentioned elsewhere. And it's true of all the names in all those verses. Now, in some of those verses, you have two names that aren't mentioned anywhere else, but then all of a sudden you find one that is. But, but I would say half of these are mentioned nowhere else in the Old Testament. Now, another difficulty, another difficulty with this list is some cities have the same name in different places. Now, is this true in our country? Um, I heard a few years ago that, and I don't know why they were focusing on this word in particular, but at least 47 states had a Springfield. Uh, and they were mentioning, and may have mentioned some other names. For for several years, we lived in a place called Fairview, Tennessee. And I was in a meeting in uh, Alabama, and then when they were in a meeting in Alabama, they were having a storm at the time, and they were tracing the storm on television. And I found out there was another place near the Tennessee border, the Tennessee-Alabama border, that was also called Fairview. I had never heard that. And it, it, right there in the same state, and the same area in the state, you have two places by the same name. You've got some of that here. For example, you find some of the same places. Look at verse 33. In verse 33, in the lowland there's Eshtol, Zorah, and Ashna. Look at verse 43. And Ipha and Ashna and Nebez. Now I know we might get 
overwhelmed by the names. But you see the name Ashna is the same in both of those lists in verse in verse 33 and verse 43. Now, it seems like in context, it's talking about different places. And you also find the same thing with the word Zeth in verse 24 and in verse 56. So sometimes you have the same places, the same name in a different place. Now, um, a few... <laughs> um, a few... Um, Months ago, I was in a place talking, in a place that most anyone in the world would ask you about Paris. You know, they're, they're talking about the one that's overseas. But I realized after a couple of mistakes that, that anytime when people around here say Paris, we're talking about Paris, Kentucky. Okay? <laughs> it's a little different. And, 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 uh, and so that can confuse us a little bit today. That can confuse us in looking at some of these biblical lists. Let me give you another illustration of this. Now, right here, these are places with the same name. It seems like with the same name within the same tribe. But it's more common that you find places in one tribe with that name and then places in another tribe with that name. Look at 1556. In 1556, you see a mention of Jezreel. Now, if you just hear the name Jezreel in the biblical story, who do you think of in connection with Jezreel? Who was that? Jezebel. Okay, Ahab and Jezebel and Naboth, who was from Jezreel. If you think about Ahab and Jezebel, now that is also Jezreel, 1 Kings 21 and verse 23. But that is another Jezreel. That is not the Jezreel in Judah. So don't think when we're talking here about Judah, we're talking to the same place. We're talking about a town that bears the same name or a city that bears the same name, but they are in different tribes. Let me illustrate that a second time. Look at 15 verse 60. And the illustrations I'm giving you could be multiplied many times over. But there is a place in the tribe of Judah by the name of Rabbah. Of Rabbah. But, and we talked about that place just the other day. In Joshua 13, in verse 25, we also see a place by the name of Rabbi. Or Rabbi. Joshua 13, 25. That place was across the Jordan in Gad. Now this place is within the tribe of Judah. So some cities have have some cities have the same name, though they are in different places, and that's going to make a little bit of this difficult in order to figure out. I could give you more illustrations of that. Now what I'm about to say, 
What I'm about to say, I said that these things apply to Joshua 15 and they apply to most of it. This applies in a special way to Joshua 15. Okay? Some cities were assigned to more than one tribe. Now, I know that sounds bizarre. But I want you to look at some cities with me. Look at 1528. 1528. One of the cities assigned to Judah, and one that we may talk about a little bit more, is Beersheba. Beersheba. Look at verse 31. Verse 31 mentions... Ziklag as belonging to the tribe of Judah. Okay, look over in Joshua 19. Joshua 19. Joshua 19 is talking about the inheritance of Simeon. And you notice as it talks about the inheritance of Simeon in verse 2, it mentions Beersheba. And then in verse, in verse um, 5, Joshua 19, verse 5, you have Ziklag. Now, our immediate response may be, oh, that's a different Ziklag. It's a different Beersheba. But not in this case. Simeon, I may have my numbers wrong. But if they are wrong, I'll correct them when we get to, to Joshua 19. There are like 19 cities assigned to Simeon. 17 of them are also assigned to Judah. I like sometimes the map that draws a circle around Simeon where you see that Simeon's inheritance was right here in the midst of Judah. Now, there is a reason for that. What is that reason? What is the reason why Simeon is given an inheritance right here in the tribe of Judah? Sarah? There are possibly two reasons. One okay. is mentioned uh, in verse in 19.9 where it was that the inheritance of the sons of Simeon was taken from the portion of the sons of Judah for the share of the sons of Judah was too large for them. So Simeon was in with that. Okay. And the other is the prophecy back in Genesis 49 about yes. Simeon and Levi being scattered throughout the world. Okay. Do you remember Simeon and Levi are the ones in Genesis 34 who when the men of Shechem are circumcised and sore, they go throughout the land killing all the men of the city of Shechem. And when Jacob pronounces his prophecy of what's going to happen to these tribes, and that's where we'll be tomorrow in our daily reading. But in Genesis 49, when he pronounces his prophecy, he says, because of this, Simeon and Levi, which led this onslaught, they will be scattered throughout the land. How did that happen with Levi? 48 cities. Not one inheritance where they're all dwelling together. How does it happen with Simeon? 
With Simeon, it happens that they are given an inheritance within the tribe of Judah. And Sarah well points out that Joshua 19.9 also says that Judah is given too large of an inheritance, uh, but some of this is fulfillment of that prophecy of Genesis chapter 34. But there will also be cities. There are also going to be cities that are associated with Judah that are associated with another tribe too. Now, look in in Joshua 15. Joshua 15, verse 33. And I want you to see a couple of the cities that are associated with Judah. In the low land, there is Eshtol and Zorah. You think of those cities, Eshtol and Zorah. Who do you think of? What, what creek creature? I meant character. Character of the Bible do you think of in that regard? Is Zora the same as Zora? Uh, I, I don't think so. You notice the definitiveness of that answer. Somebody who can't always find my way home, I probably don't need to be sound too certain uh, with that answer. But but we, we associate Samson with that. And in and, and, and Samson's from what tribe? Samson's from, you remember? He's from the tribe of Dan. And in Joshua 19, verse 41, Zorah and Astol are also associated with the tribe of Dan, which was right there along the sea. So some of these cities are assigned to more than one tribe. And another of these points, another point about Joshua 15 is that I said that a lot of these cities are not mentioned elsewhere, but some of these cities are mentioned more as people than cities. Now, let me illustrate. In verse 43, verse 43, the first name is Iptha. Iptha. Now, this is, I do believe, the only time that that word is used in reference to a city or place. But it was used 30 times in the Old Testament. Would you know what name we would get from that? This may not be evident to an English speaker but if you're looking at the original language Jephthah Jephthah and every time Jephthah is mentioned it's the same spelling as this now let me give you a real easy one look at verse 57 Cain who you think that could be okay I think that this is used, I had down, I wrote down that 16 times this is used of the person Cain, and twice it is used of a city, okay? So those are some things, and I don't know if you're excited about that list, but I will tell you, 
in making it this afternoon. I was excited. Uh, I, I was because it, it does help me place some kind of semblance on this, uh, on some of the things in the list, and and hopefully some of these things can continue to guide us as we go throughout this section. Uh, but let's pick on or pick out some of the specific cities and say a little bit about them. Let's go to verse 28 and Beersheba. Beersheba. Now, what do you think of about Beersheba? Do you remember the statement, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba? Dan to Beersheba. Now, you see Beersheba located on this map. It's located both in the, in the territory of Simeon and in the territory of Judah. But what is that saying when it says all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, for example, knew Samuel was established as a prophet? What, what's, what's indicated? Top to bottom, north to south. And you see that expression, Dan to Beersheba. I won't write down every time that it's used, but it's used in 1 Samuel um, in 3, in verse 20. It's used, it's used quite a few times in 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel um, 3.10, and 17, 11, 1 Kings 4, verse 25, as the Bible's talking about the reign of Solomon. Uh, and even after the division of the kingdom in the days of Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 30, verse 5, he sends out messengers from Dan to Beersheba to invite the people to worship in Jerusalem. Now, after the division of the kingdom, after you have Judah and Benjamin forming the nation of Judah in the south and all the other tribes making north, you can't say Dan to Beersheba anymore. For example, when, when Josiah does his reforms, it talked about he removed the idols from Geba, far northern point, to Beersheba. That's in 2 Kings 23 in verse 8. Geba to Beersheba. That's not used nearly as much, but it is used <coughs> in that passage because those are the new north-south boundaries of the land in their time. But I'll tell you what is sad about Beersheba. And, and you, really, you really only see this clearly from the book of Amos. But Amos makes a couple of references in Amos 5 verse 5, in Amos 8 verse 14, that apparently Beersheba became a center of idolatry. And, and that's sad. And it, it's also ironic 
Because the kingdom's divided because Jeroboam said it's too far to go to Jerusalem. Now you have people in the northern kingdom. They're not only going to Jerusalem to worship, they're going clear past it to Beersheba to worship. They can worship their false gods and go further than they can in worship of the true God. So, that's, that's one city that we mention here. Uh, look at verse 31. It's 1528. You, you see Beersheba. And I know my notes are everywhere. And uh, if you need me to explain anything, please feel free to ask. Then you find Ziklag. Now what do you know about Ziklag? You remember anything about that city? Yes. This is when David went over and joined himself with the Philistines. And remember the king of the Philistines gives him Ziklag. And it says that it has belonged to the tribe of the king of Judah ever since. Uh, and, well, God already assigned it to them, but they lost control of the city. But Ziklag will be mentioned quite a few times in the next few chapters because that has become David's headquarters. And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, you remember that the Ammonites... Uh, excuse me, not the Ammonites, but the Amalekites had burned Ziklag to the ground in that case. That had been David's headquarters. They come, they uh, kidnap their families, and they, um, they burned Ziklag to the ground. Um, what are some other places that we need to talk about in the list? Um, now again, I want you to be open to... Sarah, you got a question? Well, I was just going to say that the ones that are really familiar are the ones that become go back to... Um, Ekron, Ashdod, uh, okay, all of the Eglon, the the cities that the Philistines were in, and they were fighting back and forth over those cities all the time. Yes, and you see those cities mentioned in forty-five through forty-seven: Ekron, Ashdod, uh, Gaza. All these were eventually occupied by the Philistines. They're occupied by the Philistines. They're assigned to Judah, but they're occupied by the Philistines, and there was fighting over much of these cities. Remember, too, when they when the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they carried it to Ashdod, one of these cities here. And everybody is struck with illness. Maybe something like the bubonic plague. But in 1 Samuel chapter 5, it talks about the ark of God coming to several of these cities and striking the people with death and disaster. Ashdod, Ekron, uh, these cities are, are struck as a result of that. So that's, that's a very good point to make. And we saw those cities mentioned earlier. Uh, I believe Nikki asked about them in chapter 11 and verse 21. And we saw these cities were assigned to the Philistines in 13 and verse 3. Look at the city of Lachish in 1539. 1539, Lachish. Now, 
I want to give you a couple of passages, and this this isn't to embarrass, but but to me, a, a goal of Bible study. And a goal when you're reading the Bible is, is just kind of to, you hear a passage mentioned and you kind of get an idea of what is going on in the context. But passages are 2 Kings 18, verse 14. 2 Kings 18, verse 17. 19, verse 8. And Isaiah 36 and verse 2. And Isaiah 37 and verse 8. Now, I know that that may not be evident on first glance, but all those passages relate to the same context. What is the context? Hezekiah being attacked and Jerusalem is being attacked by Sennacherib and in the process uh, you see Sennacherib is sometimes attacking Lachish. He attacked Lachish in 701 BC. Extensive archaeological exploration has been done on that city at that time and the devastation the king of Assyria brought. But Lachish was a key Israelite military outpost. Micah, who preached at the same time that Isaiah did, he preached at the same time. He said in Micah 1, verse 13, he mentions Lachish is the beginning of sin to the children of Israel. What's wrong with Lachish? Lachish was a picture, even though they weren't as strong as the Assyrian, they were putting their trust in military might rather than God. And as a result, that's why the city is rebuked so severely. Lachish, the beginning of sin to the children of Israel. But they're also mentioned in a latter period in Jeremiah 34 and verse 7 where... Uh, the Bible talks about receiving signs from the, the they were sending smoke signals back and forth from the king of from 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 the city of Lachish and the city of Jerusalem. Um, I, I'm I'm combining some things that archaeology has found out with that text when I say it the way I did. Okay, um, those. Those are some of the things that we mentioned. Uh, also, something that makes a list difficult. As soon as you find, like I said, you find the same name of a city or a place as, as some other place. It's like verse 51. You read verse 51 and you say Goshen. And you say, oh, I've read about Goshen in the Bible. But where have you read about Goshen in the Bible? Egypt. Egypt is, is where Goshen is, not here. The next passage, the next name, though, in verse 51, he says, Goshen, Holon, and Gilon, G-I-L-O-H. Now, I think uh, just an interesting thing is as soon as you think about who comes from these places. Do you know who came from Gilon in the biblical story? He's called... The Gilanite, Ahithophel, 
the Galilee. Second Samuel 15 verse 12. So Ahithophel was from that city. Let's look at verse 55. Maon. Again, think about David. Judah, we're dealing with the tribe of Judah. We're going to be dealing with thinking about things of David. Maon. Can you remember somebody from Maon? Anybody? Nabal, 1 Samuel 15, verse, uh, excuse me, 1 Samuel 25, verse 2. Nabal was from Maon. And look at verse 55. You see Carmel. Now, that's not Mount Carmel. But can you think of anything that happens at Carmel? And now, again, I, I know this, this is difficult to remember the place these things happen. This is part of, to me, the value of a chapter like this, though. It helps us connect event and place. He was making a monument to himself in Carmel. Saul, 1 Samuel 15, verse 12. So the point is, this chapter is tied. It's tied with the biblical story. It's tied in with the biblical story, uh, even though many of these places are never mentioned again. Now, the one thing that Paul asks about, and you see it, we're going to see it again, is 16. It is uh, verse 63. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the sons of Judah, could not drive them out. So the Jebusites live with the sons of Judah at Jerusalem until this day. Would you say could not? Or would not? Would not. Would not. And we're going to see the same thing. Look at 1610. 16.10. This is talking about the uh, people of Ephraim. They did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites live in the midst of Ephraim to this day. And they became forced labor. Look at 17 verses 12 and 13. The sons of Manasseh could not take possession of their cities because the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. It came about when the sons of Israel became strong. They put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. We stated that in the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is upbeat compared to most books in the Bible because generally the people are obedient. Generally, the people do the right thing. There are exceptions, like the Gibeonites and cases like that, but they generally do the right thing. But we do see the sow, the seeds of disaster are being sown in the book of Joshua, even though they, they control the land, they're not driving out the Canaanites completely. And God said, if you don't, and if you intermarry with them, they're going to cause you to worship your gods. And in Judges, we're going to find these things coming to full fruition. The things that were warned against in Joshua will not manifest themselves fully until we get to the book of Judges. And then we will see that. Um... Anything else that you might have a question about? Bob. Mm -hmm.
this is kind of an aside. It has to do with geography. But the, the, the area of the Holy Land there, if you look at that map on the wall, uh -huh. and you scale it according to Indiana versus the Holy Land, the Holy Land is one-third the square mileage of the state of Indiana. So if we, with your mind, you just slide, cock and slide the Holy Land over to the to the far left-hand side. Yeah. And, to, and, and then look at, and maybe slide it down in the corner and see how much area there's still left. It gives you an idea how, how compact that is. Yes, land. absolutely. And then this list of cities that we're reading here is all in the tribe of Judah. So you've got something to read it to with Indiana. Yeah. So we're, we're down there around Evansville, and we're going over just a few miles, and we're going up, we're making a little yeah. box, and we're stuffing all these cities in there. Yeah. It speaks to how populated, because these are Canaanite cities, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? These are the, yeah, and, and, these and are the many of them are mentioned as being conquered in chapter 10 in particular. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and the, whole, and the whole land is probably populated like this. We, yeah. we know Judah is for yeah. sure. It, it is, they, they were constantly in battle. Yeah. They didn't move 10 feet till they had another city to deal yeah. with. You know? and, they, and, and often had a city and lost a city and had to come back. It, 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 you know, when you, when you think of it the way you said it, Bob, instead of city, and I know I use that term quite a bit, it's probably better to say town. <laughs> it's probably town. And remember, too, that even the statement that we made, that in those days, the normal size of a city was about 10 to 15 acres. I mean, that's quite a difference between, I mean, there are probably people here that are pretty close to owning that much. Um, you know, so... Uh, that was it, it was and, and considering how compact it is that does help us put those things in line Paul, I do appreciate Paul's questions if you're willing to do it you know I say keep on let's look at 16 and 17 for Sunday and we shall see you know how we shall do Lord willing I'll be gone um, in two Sundays not, or not this Sunday but the next